0: All right, friends. Um, welcome uh, to our sermon series. Uh, if you' first time joining us, if you've been here a couple of weeks, you know that we're talking about God at work in the wilderness, and we're we're doing it. Uh, we're tracking the Israelites as they leave the slavery of Egypt, the bondage of Egypt, and they're going to the promised land. And what we're doing is we're stopping as a congregation and saying, Hey, you know what? That forty year journey, which sometimes we you know we roll our eyes. Forty years. It's so terrible it was absolutely pivotal for them. It was important for them. That journey to the promised land was as as important as the promised land because there they got to know their God. They got shaped and, um, you know, they they trust just everything happens to them. So it's a a formative, beautiful time. And the lessons that they learned are, they're very applicable to the church today. I think you're going to see by the end, as we talk about today's topic, that this one really hits for us. It lands, and there's so much that we can take. So um, with, with that aside, last week, Morgan talked about uh, provision, how the Israelites entered into the wilderness, and they discovered very quickly there are no supermarkets in the wilderness. Um, there's not farmland in the wilderness. There aren't any food trucks in the wilderness. There's a whole lot of lack. And yet as soon as they experience lack, what does God do? God provides. He shows up and he gives them what no one else can give them. And it's just a a beautiful and what a great sermon, Morgan, wherever you are. That was fantastic. But just our God is a provider. He meets our needs. And then today what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on Exodus 13 where we see God leading his people. God leading and guiding his people in the wilderness. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and break the tension. You're not supposed to do this. They tell you, don't do this in seminary. But I'm going to go ahead and give you the end of the story, okay? So we're going to start with the end. I'm going to read where they end up in verses 21 and 22 of Exodus 13. So listen to this. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So look at how chapter 13 ends. It is an idyllic situation. It's everything you could imagine. I mean, at night, if they need to travel, there's the Lord. During the day, He's right there. There's no question Who is leading? Who is guiding? Who is going before them? So, hey, there we go. End of sermon. Have a good day. Um, No, but, but the real question, see, we already knew that, though, right? We knew God led them, but the real question we're going to answer today is how in the world did these people, okay? And remember, they're coming out of slavery, bondage, They barely know who they are as God's people. They barely know who this God is. How did God get a bunch of ragged, downtrodden, defeated people to follow him, or yet to follow him all the way through the desert? Because it's one thing for God to be in front of them, right? But it's another thing for all of these people to go, yes, we will follow the Lord. No matter what happens, we're on, on this journey with you. I think the answer to that question could really help us these days as we seek to journey with God as the people of God, to be a people who are really led by him. So um, let me read how this happened, how they became these people, a people who would follow God, and uh, then we'll talk about it. All right, here we go. Exodus 13, 1 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today in the month of Aviv you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your uh, to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand, a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. There you go. Now, isn't that simple? Do you get it, right? Um, I'll... Let's just acknowledge from the get-go, okay, reading those first nine verses uh, on the surface, there is a lot that can actually make us confused. Go, what in the world is all that about? It can make us disconnect with the passage. I mean, when we read about consecrating firstborn male sons and firstborn male animals, um, commemorating the day of liberation from Egypt, uh, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, a little while later, Philistines. And then finally, a week of bread with no yeast followed by a feast. What in the world is going on here? What does any of this have to do with our life and times? And although this does sound strange, this does sound foreign to our ears, we have a hard time going, oh, you said this word, I get it means that. Though all that is in play, everything we just read is quite simple, It's quite doable, and it is very, very important for us as we seek to journey with God these days. Um, It involves actually three words that we are going to lean into today. The three words are uh, consecrate, commemorate, and communicate, okay? Or I can say it this way. The three words are identify, purify, and testify. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive in. Father God, we love you so much. And Lord, I love what we were singing today just about the goodness of our God, the kindness of God. That you are the God who protects us, you defend us, Lord, you lead us, you provide for us, you love us. God, you have life for us that is more than an existence, it's more than a getting by, it's more than a treadmill or treading water. God, it is life and life to the full, and I thank you that today we're going to talk about three things that set us free. Lord, three things that cause us not only to walk after you, but to run in the path of your commands. And Father, we want to be a people that hear your voice. We want to be a people that walk with you. We want to be on pilgrimage with our God. So Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start with word number one, okay? Word consecrate in verses one and two, where God asks for the firstborn male sons and the the firstborn male animals, okay? Both human, so we're talking human and animals here. here, And it's very, very important that we not uh, confuse this with Rumpelstiltskin or the Pied Piper, okay? God is not literally saying, I'm taking your children away okay, those firstborns, you'll never see them again, out of sight, out of mind, good luck getting on with your lives, when you hear that word consecrate, okay, again, think about the word identify, this is identification with God, okay, it's, it's very similar, very similar to when we dedicate or we baptize an infant, all right, in that moment, what we are doing is we are identifying that child with the Lord, right, But not only the child, the family, right? The parents are identifying with the Lord. Hey, we're going to raise this child in the love and the fear of the Lord. And if you think about it, when we ask that question to the congregation, will you take your part in this? Will you help to raise this child? Will you partner with these parents? What are we doing? All of us in that moment are identifying ourselves with the Lord. We are committing our way to him. We are saying you are our God and we are your people. Now, in Exodus 13, why might that be important? Why might it be important that the whole nation identifies with the Lord? Well, think about the, the the previous 430 years. Who has been their master? Who has been, in a very real sense, an operating sense? Who has been their Lord? Who's been calling the shots in their lives? It's been Pharaoh. He has been in, in charge. And, and, and listen, even from a legal standpoint, they belong to Pharaoh. And so what God is doing in this moment is he's going, I'm breaking that chain. No longer do you belong to him. Identify your children, the next generation, this generation with me. And so what the Israelites are doing by consecrating or identifying themselves with the Lord, they are saying, we no longer belong to them or to him. We belong to the Lord. This God that set us free He is our God. We are His people, and we are following Him. We commit ourselves. We pledge ourselves and the next generation to God. So that's what that's all about, and it's a really important thing. Well, we move from consecration to commemoration in verses 3 through 7. And again, on the surface, that's a real head-scratcher. You know, that's a real, hey, what's going on here, Uh, 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 seven days... Bread with no yeast, and then it's followed by a festival or a feast. But again, when you think of commemoration, you know, with, with uh, consecration, we thought uh, the word is identify. With, with commemoration, the word is purify. And so, what God is doing here is, is He's using something in the Old Testament that has high symbolism, and that's yeast. Does anybody know what yeast always represents in the Old Testament? Yeah, sin. Very good. Whoever said that, uh, come by. I've got, a, I've got a gift for you after the sermon. But it, 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 it is about sin. So what God is doing here, okay, he's pointing to yeast. They all get it. No yeast. What God is doing is he's saying, look, I'm doing more than setting you free from physical slavery. I also want to set you free from spiritual slavery. By by having you deal with the sin in your lives. And so what God is calling them to, we actually sang it today and we can talk about this. What God is calling his people to is holiness. Now, don't let that word scare you, because sometimes when Christians hear holiness, they go, Oh my goodness. And the reason that scares some of us is because we confuse holiness with perfection okay? We think, okay, to be holy, I've got to be absolutely perfect in my life, in my thoughts, you know, in all my, my, my attitudes. We, we confuse it with that, you know? I can never have a stray thought. I can never have a bad day. I can I, I, I never sin, you know, ever, ever again. And if I ever do, well, all the holiness is gone. that, that is. A, and by the way, that understanding of holiness, you know what it doesn't lead to? Never leads to life. Never leads to freedom. Never leads to joy. It leads to bondage, You know, the people who actually believe that they are perfectly holy as human beings, they're the Pharisees in the Bible. There are also a lot of miserable people that you see today. Holiness instead actually begins with what we sang in the song. Holiness begins with Christ in me. That's where it starts. And a right understanding of holiness, holiness is where we let the Word of God and the Spirit of God shine his light, or point out anything in us that is still dark, um, that is still sin. And I'll tell you, for me, okay, the pastor. If the pastor can admit this, folks, we can all be free in this. I'm still in process. God is still leading me in holiness. There are so many times I get in the Word of God, you know, and I'm reading along, and the Holy Spirit will say, hey, pause there for a minute, Steve. You're reading about offense. you got some offense in you. Or judgment, or, you know, even with the lusts of the world, there are things that you crave that they're not my will for you. The Holy Spirit will will point that out. And holiness is where we have that recognition from God, from the Word of God, and we simply turn to God and we say, okay, Lord, you know what? Guilty. That's me. I, I am guilty of that God, I confess that to you. I ask you to forgive me of that. And then what happens? I am more able to follow after God. Some of y'all have had this experience before. You, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll ask you rhetorically. Have you ever committed a sin in your life? The answer is yes. Why? Because 1 John tells us that if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. There are no liars in the room, but have you have you ever had a sin, a broken relationship, or you did something and the Holy Spirit was saying no and you did it, or you know you're in violation of the word and you feel the weight of it? And especially this happens in relationships, you know, like maybe we're estranged from a child or husband and wife, you know, you know you duke it out, not physically, but you know you have a spat, and you know the weight of sin. You ever just felt the weight of sin in your life? But you turn to God and say, "Lord, forgive me." God, cleanse me, purify me. And what happens? He does every time, right? That's the promise of the Word. When we confess, God is faithful and just to forgive us. What happens to that weight? It just falls off, you know? And you are, I mean, there's a lightness to you, you know, whether you river dance, that wasn't a river dancer. You can just run after the Lord because you're not burdened down. And so that's what God is calling his people here to is holiness and, and, and purity, a purity that happens along the way. And the reason they, they celebrate at the end, they have a festival and a feast is because that is celebration being forgiven by God, being cleansed, entering into holiness, it does enter into a life of joy and celebration and newness. So we have consecration, right? Um, Identifying ourselves as the people of God, they're doing that. We have uh, commemoration, acknowledging sin in our lives and turning to God. And then we end up with communication in verses 8 and 9 where God says, Tell your sons. Tell the next generation. And so, again, we have identify, purify, and this is testify. And what God is telling the people here is real simple. He's saying, look, keep the story of my great deliverance alive. Remember what I've done for you. Don't don't, don't ever let it go. Make sure your children know it. Make sure your children pass that on to their children. Don't let it be static words in a book. Let it be a living story that comes from your lips to the next generation. Keep what God has done alive in you. Keep it on your mind, on your lips, on your forehead, bound to your hands. I love the imagery there. But just keep the work and the word of God as your banner headline every single day. Now, do you think all of that Uh, identify, purify, and testify might have any difference on the Israelites' ability to follow God. Um, If if, if you need an example, I'll tell you a great example of this. Someone we can look to is David. Um, If you read the Psalms, this happens over and over again in the Psalms, kind of in a different order, but David so often, when you read a Psalm, they, they start off and they're so bleak and they're so heavy, you know, and David's saying stuff like, oh, Lord, my enemies are so big, and you know, I can't stand everyone, and, you know, nobody obeys you, and Lord, my days are dark. I mean, David will start off just rough. And then what does David do? Well, he kind of wears himself out with all that complaining, and then he looks at God. He, he identifies with God. Here's what you have done in my life in the past. And the change to David is huge. I mean, he stumbles in, and he's a guy in the beginning, man, he can barely even, you know, he's stumbling forward with God, but then he remembers who God is. He remembers who he is, right? And so often in the Psalms, David will stop and will go, oh Lord, you know what? I was off track. God, I was full of judgment, and I was full of bitterness. And you know what? I have a heart that needs to be worked on. Lord, would you do that? Create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew, renew my mind. And then at the end, You know, and and David also pledges to tell the next generation. And look at David at the end. He started off whining, complaining, lamenting. At the end, man, he's having a one-man praise service to the Lord. So this this principle here is wonderful for our lives of of just doing this identification, purification, and then testification. Dang, I messed that up. I I lost the tense there. But anyway, um, but you just see what happens. But the question is, apart from David why do this? You know, why identify, purify, and testify? Why commemorate, communicate, consecrate? Is it really that important? Does it, does it really make any kind of difference? Well, I'll tell you one thing, in Exodus 13, it certainly did, because right after Exodus 13, life gets really hard in the wilderness. It gets really hard. And Morgan was a couple of chapters ahead. Do you remember how the people were just a couple of chapters ahead? Life has gotten hard. And and here they are. You've been set free. You've seen miracles. Look at everything God has done. And now it's, oh my gosh, you know, you brought us out here to die. And, you know, man, couldn't we go back to Egypt? Life was so great there. Life was great in Egypt. Are you kidding me? And I love their line. Um, you know, you remember, you remember back in the old days in Egypt, we used to just sit around the meat pots and we reclined and we ate. That never happened. They were, they'd never sat around lazy boys with palm branches and grapes and eating meat. They were beaten. You know, their kids were thrown into the Nile. But it's that mis- misremembering. But listen, it's gonna be so tempting for them to run back to Egypt unless they're living a consecrated life. It's not gonna be as tempting if they know who their God is. If they know who they are, He is our God and we are His people, it's not as tempting to run back. It's not as tempting if they're living a commemorated life. If they are dealing with their sins, right? They're letting, if they're letting God set them free from everything that separates them and darkens them and brings death. It's a little easier to follow God, right? A lot easier. And if they are communicating, if they are keeping the story of God's faithfulness, the wonders of God, how God set them free, how God has promised, folks, that 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 will keep them and it keeps us moving forward with God when life gets scary. And by the way, before we get out of the chapter, we see how important commemoration, consecration, and communication are, because we have a very chilling story in Exodus 13. It's very chilling, it's very short, but it's very wonderful. Listen to these two verses. See if you can figure out what happens next. Uh, Verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, if they run into the Philistines, they might change their minds and run back to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert by the road toward the Red Sea. Now, here's what's going on, okay? In other words, when they come out of Egypt, they have a destination, okay? And the destination is a no-brainer, Okay, it is a road that runs straight. It is a point A to point B. It's familiar. It is the way to go where they're going, all right? So what do you do? Take the road. You know, even if they've been in Egypt, they don't know how to get there. Hey, how do we get there? As the crow flies, that way. Anybody would tell them that. But there's a problem. The problem is right in front of them, now out of eyesight, maybe around the corner, But right in front of them and unknown to them is the Philistine army, okay? In the Old Testament, the Philistines were the most aggressive, warlike people. They are always spoiling for a fight. Philistines see anybody they don't know, they're going to kill them, right? And here come the Jews. Now, if the the Israelites go down that road, they are still ragged. They're still downtrodden, okay? Even if they have weapons after 430 years of slavery, man, that fight's gonna last about two seconds. Imagine what would have happened if the Israelites took the known road. If they went from point A to point D, if B, not D. If they took, if they took the short path, what happens to the Israelites? Toast, right? They are toast, they're dead, they're wiped out. The point is, God could see around the corner. God knew what was ahead. And so God took them around the desert road. Was it important in that moment that they are following the Lord? Absolutely. Following the leading of God's Spirit means everything for them. Okay, now back to us, all right? So let's bring all that into our times. Currently, we find ourselves at a time in church history where and I'm going to go ahead and say it, we desperately need to be led by God. We are at a time in the church where we need to be journeying with the Lord, okay? For far too long, and listen, I'm a part of the problem here, okay? For far too long in in America, we have been driven by our own logic, um, by our own preferences. We've been driven by what is familiar, Um, And we've also been driven by what everybody else is doing. And what's happened is it has led far too often in the church to ministries, um, to structures that are far more man-made than they are God-made, far more man-driven, right, than they are God-driven. And here's the problem. The problem is unless we build the house, no, unless the Lord builds the house, the ones who labor, they labor in vain. And one of the things that encourages my heart so much, I love this, I'm 56 years old, right? I ought to be starting to wind down, but this fuels my, my love tank, right? My spiritual love tank, my ministry tank. What excites me so much is we are waking up. So many pastors I talk to, we're waking up. We're, we're coming to the, to the conclusion that, you know what? Business as usual, normal programming, coasting on spiritual cruise control, it's not bearing fruit, And I I wish y'all could be in some of these pastor's conversations I have where we're going, hey, you know what, guys? Let's talk about how many people have been saved through our churches. Gulp. Let's talk about how many people are transformed in our churches lately. You know, big differences in people's. Let's talk about how many people haven't walked out the door. And we're realizing, whoa, there's a lack of spiritual fruit. We're realizing, I think Session here would even say this. We're realizing as a church, we can't just hire three or four good people And uh, then throw open the doors of the church and expect every... You know, that'll fill the church up. Um, We can't read the latest books anymore or follow the latest church fads and expect to magically thrive. And then tragically, I'm sorry to tell you this, many people don't know this, we can't get into a time machine and magically transport to the past. We can't do any of those things. And for a while, that's kept everybody stuck. But... What if we leaned into what we read today as the church? What if we lean into this? What about reconsecrating and just re identifying ourselves as a people belonging to the Lord? He is our God and we are his people. And by that, what I mean is first and foremost, there is no second, right? There's no co pilot. God, it, he is Lord, he is God. Uh, just a true re identification of ourselves as belonging to the Lord. What about a, 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 a re-commemoration of ourselves to the Lord? You and I in the church getting a fresh vision of holiness, and just being set free by the sin that so easily entangles us. When I was a kid, I went to a church, <laughs> nobody's watching this from back home, but I went to a church um, where everybody was fine, everybody was good, and, and at that church, there was a great big mask on everybody's face, Nobody had a problem, right? If you had an issue, you better deal with it somewhere. It was the church of self-image, and it was just toxic. I remember as a kid going, I'm never going to live up to this stuff. It drove me away, but what about just a fresh vision of holiness? That Heath is back there. Man, the Lord is shining the light on his light every day. He's shining the light on my We We are all in process of just being a people getting freer and freer every day, which is what Peter means when he talks about us continually being saved. It's just holiness is working. And then, then what about being having a renewed emphasis on communicating the wonders, the work, and the word of God? I think that that's one thing. I would say in the church, one thing that has been lost, and I'm not going to beat this dead horse, is holiness. I think the church has really lost view of holiness in a lot of ways but I think it also has in communication. And you know, that begins with me. Every single day, man, getting into this word and just saying, Lord, speak to me. I I can't live without communicating with you, without identifying every single day with you. I want to be a person of devotion. But telling that story first to ourselves and then telling that story and living that story among our families, among our neighbors, you know, in our world. Be, Be in a church that really is a proclamation church, that's one of the things, by the way, we're dealing with as we we look into the vision. And it's really important because, as as Morgan pointed out, the wilderness doesn't end with their promised land. You know, we're still in the wilderness today. In that time between when Christ came and ascended and Christ comes back for us, we still are in, in a wilderness. Sin is all around us. I would I would very humbly suggest that there is a little bit of contention still in the world, right? I mean, stuff's still going on down here. Life is still difficult. We are in the wilderness. And the only way we can journey through this is with the Lord. That's why Jesus, if you've never considered Jesus in your life, I'll just tell you this. As someone who's been there, tried that, um, you're not making it through without Jesus. It's impossible. It is impossible. We, we need to journey with God. We need his freedom. We need his provision. We need his leading. Why? Because where he is taking us, well, heaven, wonderful, right? But even where, he's, where he wants to take us in this life, it's a rich experience with him. It's life and life to the full until heaven starts. So let me just ask you as I end this, I've been... This is one of these sermons, man. I have lived every word of this all week long. I've been doing what I'm going to ask you to do right now. I want to ask you a few questions. How do you line up with what you've heard today? How do you, just as an individual, again, self, I'm also the president of this club, are you consecrated to the Lord? Do you truly identify? with God? Is your identity with Him? And I say that even to a room full of Christians because our identities can be in other things. Is our identity in the Lord and the Lord only? Is He truly our God? The Lord caught me in one thing. I won't tell you what it was this week, but, but I heard myself saying something and I went, uh-oh. If, if, if you are Lord and God, I cannot make that statement. I've just, I've just betrayed that loyalty. And so, we, we, you know, do we identify with Him? How about commemoration? Is holiness at work in your life? Are you allowing God to shine his light on your darkness? Are you turning with with those unlovely things, and we all got them to the Lord and saying, God, set me free. Set me free, Father God. Um, And then how about communication? Are you in a place where you are hearing the word of God for yourself? You're really digging into it yourself and you're sharing that story of God's love and God's salvation with your family, with your friends, with people outside. Let's take a moment. Let's get still before God, and let's just uh, lean into those in prayer. Oh, God, I just confess that there was a time in my life where as a young and immature believer, I, I really believed the Old Testament was, uh, it was irrelevant. Um, didn't have anything to say to me. And God, I just thank you for the, just the beauty of what we see, Lord, the relevance of your word from beginning to end in our lives. And Lord, today we would just act on this in whatever way we can as individuals and as a church. God, today we would say we commit ourselves to you. And if you can say that from your heart, even if you feel like it's been true in large measure, just freshly, God, I commit myself to you in Jesus' name. Father, we call you Lord, we call you our God, we call you our Abba, our Papa God, we do right now in Jesus' name. There is none other besides the Lord. You are ours and we are yours, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you today to purify us. Lord, forgive us if we have been in, any one of us has been in a place of denial or even condemnation. We've wasted our time condemning ourselves for what you have promised to set us free from. Or whether we've looked the other way, Father, today we invite you, Holy Spirit, show us anything that is sin. Show us anything that's in the way. Show us anything that is separating us from you that's bringing darkness and death in our lives. And Father, we, we would just turn to you now for forgiveness with whatever that is, whether you show it to us now or later. Father, there it is. We confess it. Cleanse us. God, make us clean and thank you for the joy that comes from that unburdening of sin in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to be faithful, to communicate your word. Lord, not just on a Sunday morning, but with our lives, with our actions, with our words. Lord, help us to be a people that, God, we proclaim and we testify to the good news of Jesus Christ who saves all who turn to him in repentance in Jesus' name. God, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.